Hey everyone, I'm Adam Breckenridge, Director of Coaching at Your Enneagram Coach, and I'm joined by my good friend Brian Lee, who's the Coaching and Operations Manager at YEC. Brian and I have the joy of working together to serve our community of certified Enneagram coaches uh, every day. And this summer, we've had the joy of standing in for our friends Beth and Jeff McCord to host Your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. It's our mission to help you see yourselves with astonishing clarity so you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. And if you love this content, then turn on those automatic downloads or like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, share this with someone who would enjoy or benefit from this content. Well, for the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about the Enneagram in the workplace. And specifically on this episode, we're talking about using the Enneagram to cultivate a healthy team and a healthy culture in the workplace. That's right. This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and I know it is to Brian's as well. And I won't speak for him, but I have experienced what it's like to be on a healthy team, and I have also experienced what it's like to be part of an unhealthy team. An unhealthy or healthy team culture feels life-giving. Everybody feels like they belong and matter. There's connection, a sense of purpose. It can be a lot of fun. Tragically, this is not a lot of people's experience when it comes to their team dynamics and workplace culture. According to recent uh, research conducted by MIT Sloan School of Management, around 30 million or one in nine U.S. workers experience their workplace as toxic. The report calls it an epidemic of toxicity in the American workplace. Bad leadership, lack of trust, the use of fear and shame to motivate performance, a pace that's frenetic, high pressure and low empathy, constant pervasive fear of failure, systematic anxiety, lack of emotional safety and stability. These are just a few of the key markers that indicate there's a sickness in your team culture that, if not addressed, will sabotage the individual team member's health and the overall health and success of the organization. Trust me, having lived through this on more than one occasion, you're going to experience a high turnover rate in the workplace, high burnout rate, You're going to lose your best, most gifted people. And when that happens, everybody loses. Gifted people are wounded and the organization's mission and bottom line suffers because your team sucks. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know any other way to say it. It, it, The team culture literally sucks the air out of the wind out of people's sails and the life out out of the team. So this epidemic of toxicity is also contributing to another phenomenon where we're seeing more and more people than ever before who are leaving their jobs. That's right. And I've been there too. Um, And we're living in the middle of what a lot of people, sociologists are calling the great resignation, which I'm part of. Also referred to as the extraordinary exodus, where more and more people are transitioning careers in pursuit of a more desired vocational path or just more freedom and flexibility. Mm. So Microsoft conducted a survey in 2021 and found that 41% of the global workforce was considering quitting their job. And not much has changed in the last couple of years. And according to a new report for ICIMS, which is a cloud-based human resources and recruiting software company, one out of three workers, one out of three, plans to look for a new job in 2023. So what's driving this mass exodus, right? Most of it has to do with the fact that people are no longer tolerating unhealthy leaders and unhealthy cultures, like Adam said. So if you're watching or listening to this episode, 
and we're reading your mail. We're describing you and your situation. Maybe you're in a toxic team culture. Maybe you're the leader of a toxic team and you're thinking, how do I change this? How do we become agents of health or antibodies that bring health and vitality to our team members and our organizations? Hmm. If those are the questions you are asking, this is the episode for you. Today, we want to talk about why we believe the Enneagram is the most powerful tool for building a thriving team culture. And we've identified five basic ways that the Enneagram will cultivate health on your team. And they are, the Enneagram impacts the presence of the leader. It helps us to celebrate individual differences. It enhances communication and collaboration, gives us tools for resolving conflict. And number five, it helps us develop empathy and compassion. So Adam, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, thanks, Brian. So I know we're quoting a lot of a lot of surveys and data, but I think that, I think it matters. And I remember mm-hmm. reading uh, in 2018, the Harvest, Harvard Business Review published a massive report. You can actually buy it in book form on Amazon, and it's a it's a huge report on self awareness. And there's a whole section in the report titled "What Makes a Leader." What What is a leader? What makes a leader? And they break down this post-enlightenment view of leadership where we think that leadership is the person that is the most competent and gifted in the room. That's the leader. And without throwing skills and IQ out with the bathwater, they conclude after all their research that what distinguishes true leaders, great leaders from merely good leaders or bad leaders isn't IQ or technical skills. It's not about how competent or how gifted you are or how much you know, or how much you can, like how high of a performer you are. Leadership, they conclude, is about emotional intelligence. It's about having an awareness of what it's like for people to be on the other side of you. Mm -hmm. Leadership has a whole lot less to do with power and a whole lot more to do with presence. Leadership really has nothing to do with rank or how much authority you have in an organization. You may sit at the highest level in your organization and have the authority to tell people what to do, but in no way, shape, or form does that equal being a leader. Leadership is fundamentally about presence. It's understanding how your presence affects everything in the organization. So I remember like reading Ed Friedman talking about, he illustrates this with the brain-body connection. So, you know, the brain uses neurotransmitters to communicate to every part of the body. So the head systematically influences all parts of the body, even if the head is not in close proximity to a part. Mm-hmm. Your head is influencing your big toe, even though they're like, mine are, I guess I'm five foot eight. So however, <laughs> I'm not very tall, Brian. So however far that is, you know, five, five feet, eight inches away, my head is from my big toe. And yet my head, in a sense, is present in my big toe. So the head is always present in the body. And, and influencing the entire body. And the same is true with the head of any organization or the head of any team. The head is always present in the organization. The presence of the leader is always felt, even if it's on an unconscious level. Your presence as a leader will absolutely shape and influence the culture of your team in a way that either nurtures anxiety and toxicity on the team, or like Brian said earlier, your presence will function like an antibody to bring life and vitality to the team. So here's here's how this what this has to do with the enneagram. Um, healing healing a toxic work environment always starts with the leader. So when I coach teams, this is where I start. And you know, Brian, you do this work too. A lot of times we get a call from a leader that wants us to come in and quote unquote fix the team. <laughs> <laughs> 
And my response is, well, we're going to start with you because nobody has more impact on the team than the leader. So the leader is going to have to go on a deeper journey into their soul, into the self-awareness, into seeing self-clarity, into seeing the, 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 the logs in their own eyes, the shadow self, the blind spots. And, and the best tool for this is the Enneagram. It gives the leader the self-awareness to name the core motivations that are driving them. It names their blind spots, the shadow side. It tells the truth about how their, their conflict styles and communication styles and the way they do relationship affects other people. It also names their gifts, their potential, so they can lean more into to what is good and beautiful about their type. And it helps them see how not everyone on their team processes or perceives the world the way that they do, which is huge for a leader to be able to embrace. So I think here's where I want to end this point, Brian, is like whether you use the Enneagram to get there or not, this this kind of self-clarity is essential to healthy leadership. And I think the Enneagram gives us a huge gift because it has the potential to impact the presence of a leader like like no other tool I've, I've mm-hmm. ever discovered. So. Unless you have other thoughts you want to add to that, Brian, I'll, I'll toss it to you for number two. No, that was awesome. So the next way the Enneagram helps us to build healthy teams is that it helps us to celebrate our differences. So yeah. every single type has its own strengths, challenges, motivations, styles, and ways of thinking. And we've heard, talked about this tons of times on all our previous episodes. You can be strong in things like getting things done, organizing, administration, creativity, research, mediating, leading, bringing spontaneity and joy to a meeting, which otherwise would be very flat and dead. Uh, The loyalty, the forecasting, like each type has different strengths that it brings to the team, right? Um, And so the important thing is recognizing and valuing the individual differences. It's one thing to see the difference and, and kind of mark it, right? As right or wrong, good or bad. And what we want to do is get to the place where we learn how to value the individual differences so that we create a culture of celebrating different gifts and perspectives. We want to create a culture of honoring everyone's different starting places, where people are coming from. And the Enneagram gives us language for encouraging each other in specific ways, right? So where normally as a one, my typical way to do things would be to categorize them as right wrong, good, bad, black, and white. And over the years in working with the Enneagram, it's taught me how incomplete that can be at times. Mm. So often, especially when it comes to people, right? We don't want to categorize people as categorically good or bad or right or wrong, right? So when we learn to have that kind of a language, we start to recognize that a toxic work culture motivates people through fear, shame, and control. Mm. Right. It's it's that same thing you're talking about with leadership. It's the leader is not about being the one in power and control. That's just a boss or a manager. It's not yeah. a leader. Right. Yeah. So a healthy work culture will understand that the soul runs on encouragement and affirmation, not fear and shame. So this is the best way to motivate others and bring out their potential to recognize, call out and value the differences that you see in someone else who works or functions differently than you because of what it adds to the team. Right. So by learning that language, learning those tools that help commit yourself to the care and success of those around you. So we need all nine types to help us live fully. 
Um, when you are missing types on your team, you're missing a core aspect of yes. the way that God created us to function together. Um, so learn to recognize those differences, value them, and celebrate them. You want to take number three? I'd love to. Amen to all of that. Um, so another way that Enneagram can foster health on the team is by enhancing communication and collaboration within the team. So the, the best teams know how to communicate and understand that we all have different communication styles. Team members know how to get on one another's planet and speak their language on a healthy team. And the Enneagram really is like a passport, if you will, for getting on someone else's planet. It's like it's like a, a pocket translator that helps you navigate other people's world and understand one another better, mm-hmm. which is huge for a healthy team. By the way, as a side note, I, I, I heard Simon Sinek talk about, um, for those of you who are Simon Sinek fans, I heard him talk about his work with Navy SEALs. And he oh, yeah. asked, he, have you heard that? He, he mm-hmm. asked the question, how do you decide who goes on SEAL Team 6? And they basically draw this graph and they talk about how you have high performers and then you have high trust. And he says, um, nobody wants a low performer, low trust. And he says, but what, what you have in a lot of organizations is a, a high performer, low trust. And he says, that's typically the jerk on the team. He says, if you walk on any team and ask who's the jerk, the, everybody will tell you the same person. It's a high mm-hmm. performer and, and, and it's low trust. And what's crazy in organizational uh, leadership is we often, you know, uh, bonus and reward the high performer, low trust people. And they said that the Navy SEALs said they would rather have a low, tr- a, 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 let's see, a low performer. Let's see. How did that work? Now, now I'm messing myself up. They was would it low performer, have, high trust? They would rather have a low performer, high trust, or even a low performer, low trust, medium trust, that is. And so when they start to get into like, well, what is a trustworthy person? It's like, well, the, one of the first characteristics is it's a person who knows, a, 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 a trustworthy person is a person who knows how to communicate your, has, how to speak your language, how to get on your planet, how to empathize with you, how to connect with you. It's a person that you, after you talk with them, you feel seen and heard. You feel understood. So it actually has a lot to do with your communication style. And Brian, let's just take our, our relationship, for example. So, you know, Brian's a one, I'm a six. Brian, I've often experienced with you how you hold a space for all my questions. And you have a lot of questions too, as, as a six, as, as a one and kind of a, a, a verbal processor, but like, I'm very much a verbal processor. I have lots of questions and I typically perceive information through curiosity, Mm -hmm. which can feel like pushback. It can feel like, um, it can feel like a challenge, but it's actually the way that I process and perceive information. And, and, you know, Brian, you, you allow me in our, in our teamwork together, you allow me to communicate with curiosity and express my questions and my caution because you understand this about me. And, you you know how to name that when I'm doing that. So it gives me the experience of feeling seen and understood and not judged as, as an anxious presence, mm-hmm. for example, which is the mm-hmm. way I've felt on, on other teams in the past. Um, you also know how to communicate to my weaknesses. So I experienced that with you. You know, you know how to speak to my weaknesses and reassure me that I'm safe. I can trust myself. You know, I, when my self doubt comes up in our teamwork together, you're always very quick to get on my planet and communicate 
uh, truth to me in a way that it's, it's in my native tongue. Like I can, I can receive it. I can understand it. And this made possible because of the gift of the Enneagram. You know, that's this, the Enneagram helps us connect and collaborate. And I think our teamwork, I think our working relationship is so much better for that. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's tons of other examples that I could give. I don't know if, if you have any thoughts on that, but I think the, the, just to sum it up, the, the, the key to a healthy team is, is, is good communication and collaboration. And the Enneagram is a, is a pathway to that. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Well, I've seen it on our team multiple times, just you're a six, I'm a one, Jess is a two. So just knowing where we're coming from Mm -hmm. and being able to collaborate in a way and communicate in a way that doesn't weaponize our types against each other. Yes. Like you would never use my type or Jess's type against us as our director. And we would never use language to directly attack your anxieties, Hmm. right? Or your fear of whatever. Um, I mean, we've often told Jess to take it easy and draw boundaries and say no to things because she's so overly willing to help and jump in. Yeah, I remember right. one of my most affirming moments was when Beth called out, um, I forget what project we were working on. Yeah. And she just affirmed all of the questions that I was asking and all of the inconsistencies and mistakes that I was pointing out as a yes. one and how we yes. needed that so that we can serve our coaches and our teams better. And it broke my heart open in, I remember that, like like I, it was an absolute highlight and it sticks with me. And it's when we can recognize people's Enneagram types for what they are. And again, celebrate and value those differences. Then we can also celebrate the unique things about them that we often hold as fears or, um, we think they're insecurities, but they're things worth celebrating. Yes. The fact that the the fact that inconsistencies and mistakes jump out at me, people so often perceive as judgmental or just being nitpicky for the sake of doing that. It's like, no, but but my genuine heart is to help and to make things better. Oh so yeah. Actually sees that. When you actually see that in one of your teammates, it is such a different perspective and it will light up their day or even their year <laughs> just yeah. to out in a positive way. So yeah. I yeah, absolutely. Collaboration, communication is so important when we can learn the distinct differences of what make us unique. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now, we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90-minute sessions, and there's eight of them. Plus, you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. 
Join today. Yeah. And can I say one more thing on that? Yeah. So your example with Beth, I remember when that happened. And just to honor Beth and, and to, to function as an illustration for what we're trying to say about what a healthy leader is and a healthy team culture, that's an example of, healthy, of what a, health, a healthy leader's presence. So mm-hmm. what I love mm-hmm. about Beth is she is the same person backstage as she is front stage, on stage. You know, you have a lot of leaders that can get out and smile on a stage and manifest as, you know, whatever kind and, and, and then backstage they're, they're leading with control and fear and shame. And, and, and when, when I remember us working on that project and I remember you putting together like a loom video or something with tons of inconsistencies. And I say tons, like it was a lot, a lot of, a lot of places (laughs) where we, we need improvement and you were using your gift as a one using healthy anger to reform, to, to make things better, to, to, to improve the entire team. And, 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 and I remember Beth's response being so healthy because she saw your gift. She saw what you were doing. She understood the motivations and she honored you. Whereas like an unhealthy leader uh, is too insecure to do that. So when you question an unhealthy leader or you point out a mistake, it's interpreted as a threat. Right. And they're too insecure and too afraid to hold a space for you to have, have your opinions and be yourself. So they're going to come back in over the top of you and shut you down. Right. Yeah. Whereas Beth didn't diminish you. She actually highlighted you in front of the entire team. She, uh, she didn't diminish you. She like blew you up in a good way. (laughs) And and I think, I think that's an example of a non-anxious healthy leadership presence that sees the differences on the team and celebrates the differences on the team. Um, and that, that, that Beth has enough self clarity in herself to know where she's at in that moment. And, and she can meet you with, with tons of grace and celebration. So yeah, I I remember that well. And, and I just, I just want to use that as an illustration to further make our point. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and, and from the other side of that, from the, from the receiving end, I also distinctly remember how nervous I was to hit send on that video. Oh, I'm sh- I, yeah, I'm sure. Just, just thinking, I was like, I've been here before. I know they asked for this, but no one ever really actually wants it. And so to, to hit send and then to be called out in that way, in a positive way, absolutely changed the way I functioned on the team and kind of leaned into my strengths more to say, okay, so they actually do value this. They actually do want it. So if you're looking for team members who are engaged, if you're looking for team members who are invested, you need to recognize their strengths for what they are. And again, celebrate those differences, right? Yeah, absolutely. So point number four is resolving conflict, right? So in a similar way, any grant for health to your team because it gives us tools to approach one another differently when we have conflict. And if there's something that we can guarantee about your team, is it's going to have conflict yeah? <laughs> because that's yeah. just part of life. It's right? relationships. Um, it's relationships. There is no avoiding it. So we might as well learn how to navigate it well. And so when we learn type, and I think more importantly, when we learn some of these triads, these different groupings of three, then we really get some valuable tools in how we're going to relate to each other and how to more quickly 
resolve the conflict, not just to get it over with, but to do it well in a way that sets us up for stronger relationships down the line, right? When we talk about iron sharpening iron, it's that process of rubbing and chipping up against each other that makes you sharper. It's not right. just a, oh, let's just avoid this. Let's just, no, let's just pretend it didn't happen. No, let's just push through it or one person gets their way or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so there will always be conflict, which is really hard for nines, especially because they are conflict avoidant. Mm -hmm. But I've also seen nines lean into it when they move to that virtue of right action. And it is a glorious thing to behold, right? Because yeah. they can serve as such great mediators when they know they are the right person in the right place at the right time, and they just go and do the right thing. I mean, talk about seeing the full glory of God on display is, yes. is a nine in right action. So oh, yeah. it's not that they can't do it. It's not that they won't do it. It's just that their core motivation is to, to want to avoid it, their tendency, right? But we can all overcome those tendencies because we often say with the Enneagram, it's don't use it as an excuse to hide behind your own bad behavior. Right. We, I love the Maya Angelou quote, do the best you can until you know better. And once you know better, do better. Yeah. So we want to address common sources of conflict that might arise and discuss conflict resolution strategies that are tailored to each different type or different triad. So one of the triads that we use is called the conflict triad, right? Conflict yeah. coping. And there are three different styles. Ones, threes, and fives are in the logical triad. They're going to use thinking, remove all feelings, and say, here are the facts. Well, here's, how we, here's how we resolve this. Mm -hmm. Now, alongside that, you've also got fours, sixes, and eights who are in the reactive triad. And what they're going to do is they're going to have some kind of reaction. Usually, it's a little bit emotional, a little loud, and a little demonstrative. And... They want you to meet them and react in the same kind of a way. And when you don't, they feel like you're being dismissive or that you're not listening to them. And so you recognize already just between these two, the logical and the reactive, how completely different they are and how they don't pay attention to each other and somehow meet each other where they are. We're going to misfire and we're going to cause even more conflict. And then add to that mix twos, sevens, and nines in the optimistic triad who just want to live by Hakuna Matata and no worries and everything's going to work itself out because they genuinely believe that it will because for them it always has because usually everyone else has worked it out <laughs> on their behalf. So you've got two sevens and nines in the optimistic, ones, threes, and fives in the logical, fours, sixes, and eights in the reactive. And here's the crazy part. None of them are wrong. Yeah, that's None right. of them are bad. That's right. They're just all different. So when, again, we learn to value, embrace, and celebrate those differences, then we begin to recognize how we differently react and respond to conflict and how we can better meet someone of a different type or triad in their conflict or in that conflict. That's right. Right? That's right. <clears throat> the other thing that I love to use when it comes to conflict is, again, back to those really basic centers of intelligence and stances recognizing that people are going to come at conflict and come at the world with a completely different perception from the point of view of their feelings, of their thinking, or of what needs to be done. Yeah. And just keeping yeah. that in mind, some people want to stay in their heads and think about it. Some people want to stay in their hearts and talk about their feelings about it. And some people just want to start moving and doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And then we look at those stances where people are repressed in all of those things and you see why there's 
potential for conflict all the time. And then one of the things that I love about using stances is that orientation to time. And you have this visionary leader who's always casting vision for the future and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And they can't stop to celebrate the thing we just did because here's the next thing that we're doing. So they're constantly moving ahead. And then you've got all the, so those are the three, sevens, and eights, right? Then you've got ones, twos, and sixes who are tethered to the present. And this visionary person is throwing crazy ideas out there, which may be amazing, great ideas that need to be done. But all the ones, twos, and sixes are raising their hand going, um, okay, but, but how are we going to do that? Like, what are the steps? Like, right now, like, we need, but in order to get there, we have to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this. And now the visionary leader is going to get upset because I'm like, why, is, why are you always slowing me down? Why can't we just do the thing, right? And then you have fours, fives, and nines who are tethered to the past who are going, yeah, but remember when we tried that last time? Or remember when this? Or remember when this? And they're referring to things before. And now the three, seven, or eight is like, everyone's a wet blanket. Everyone's raining on my parade. And no one can just get the vision and get on the bus. Hmm. And yet... If we were willing to slow down enough to recognize that we're looking at things from three different time zones, that we're coming at them from three different centers of intelligence, that we're looking at them from three different styles of having conflict, we begin to appreciate the complexity of what it means to be on a team and to appreciate and say, you know what? Thank you for pointing that out. Would you go and give us the outline? for the steps and the milestones that we're going to need to get there. Hey, would you go back and run the numbers from the last time we did that campaign or that thing or that whatever it was and bring me back pros and cons? What went well? What did we need to do differently? Hmm. Because ultimately my job is to help us to get to where we want to go next. And I need you to help me get there. Right? That's instead so of just good. constantly pushing, instead of just constantly antagonizing, instead of dismissing someone who's not on board with you, right? So learning how to resolve conflict in those ways is so very often just being aware that the differences in the room are not bad or wrong. So Adam, why don't you round us out? Yeah, so good, Brian. So the final way that Enneagram can help you cultivate a healthy team is that it, it, it can help empathy and compassion to grow in the soil of your team. Mm -hmm. Um. Peter Singe is a, is a, a systems scientist at MIT. He's been studying organizational leadership for over 50 years. And Singe has this line where he says, you know, just to, to kind of summarize, um, the, one of the biggest problems he sees with organizational health is that we keep hiring mechanics and bringing in mechanics when we should be bringing in gardeners. And you know, mechanics work on machines. Mechanics, by the way, nothing wrong with that. This is just an illustration. <laughs> uh, if you're a mechanic, please don't be upset with me. Uh, the point is you're more than a mechanic. Mechanics have knowledge and skills to work on machines, but, but, but the people you work with are not machines. They're, they're human beings. So Singe's whole point is organizations are actually organisms. They are living, breathing, relational systems. So, yes, there's a bottom line. Yes, there's performance, you know, uh, measured performance and things like that. But we're talking about working with souls. People show up to the office with their trauma and their baggage. And every Enneagram type shows up to the office and to the team with their unique 
gifts and struggles and core motivations and a healthy team is is a team of gardeners that is cultivating the soil the relational soil with empathy and compassion and the enneagram helps us do that um empathy is this emotional response you know brian i've heard you talk about the difference between empathy and compassion a lot but empathy is an emotional response that that puts me in your emotional shoes it's it's me kind of stepping into your world as much as i can um there's that there's that great sketch uh where Brene brown is talking about the difference between empathy and sympathy and you know uh mm-hmm. it's it's crawling down empathy is me crawling down in the hole with you and sitting sympathy is, is me looking at you down in the hole and, and offering you a sandwich like what can I do maybe to kind of pacify you or caretake you a little bit or like, I don't really know what to do, but here's a sandwich. Empathy is I'm going to crawl down and sit with you as best as I can in the place of struggle. Um, compassion, compassion really takes that one step further of mm-hmm. I'm going to suffer with you. I'm I'm not just going to come sit by you, but I'm actually going to sh- cry with you. I'm going, I'm going to share in this struggle with you. and I'm going to suffer with you. And, you know, this is the way Christ loves, loves us. He, he sees our struggles and he feels, he feels our pain that he moves toward us with compassion. And there's nothing so validating as someone who sees you for who you are and is willing to meet you where you are and to share in your struggles with you. And so, you know, if I'm on a team and, you know, my type one teammates inner critic is activated uh, maybe, you know, Brian, you're not feeling uh, good about yourself or your work or you're, you're, you're angry with yourself because you think you could have done better. Like, I know how to go there with you. Mm-hmm. Um, if my self-doubt is activated, you know how to go there with me. As you mentioned earlier with, with our other coaching teammate, our, our buddy Jess, uh, who's a type two, if, if she is smelling the burnout or is over-functioning, in some way, shape or form, which comes from a really beautiful place for her. We know how to go there with her without judgment or shame and, and say, Hey, let's, let's sit with you in this place and let's, let's help you draw some boundaries. It, it, and, and we all need that. So um, the, the point is empathy and compassion is I see my teammates. Enneagram gives me a common language for naming each of their struggles, including mine. And, and, because we have that self-awareness and I can see those things and name those things with you. Now I can go sit with you in those places and, and bring very type specific affirmations and encouragements. I mean, to sum it all up, it's, it's really, it's not rocket science, but we're talking about knowing how to be with someone. We're just empathy and compassion is just, do you know how to be with another person? And, and we, we certainly know how to do in a workplace. Everybody's doing. Um, but do you know how to be with people? And that, that to me is the gift of the Enneagram. Yeah. Closing thoughts. Uh, yeah, that's beautiful. And I think that's, it's very cliche, but it's, it's cliche because it's true. We're not human doings. We're human beings. That's right. Right. So, and I love that same quote from, um, from Peter It's just like, we don't need more mechanics. We need more gardeners because yeah. it's, it's such relationships and people need to be cultivated. That's right. They don't need to be turned into gears to fit into a giant corporate machine that just grinds things out because that's that's how we grind and burn people out, right? right. So to recap the five ways to help cultivate a healthy team, number one, 
it impacts the presence of a leader. Number two, it helps us to celebrate diff individual differences. Number three, it enhances communication and collaboration. Number four, gives us tools for resolving conflict. And number five, helps us to develop empathy and compassion. So we would love for you to let us know which one makes the most sense or which one maybe your team needs the most help with. Yeah. Right. Um, because we've got tons of tools for navigating all of those things. If you will go scrub our social media pages, we've got tons of resources online. We've got our coaches directory, people who would love to be able to work with you and your team or you and your leaders. Um, and we just want to say thank you for joining us for this little part. We are, we're kind of shifting gears a little bit, talking a little bit more about the workplace and kind of we have been talking the last couple of weeks about personal growth and spiritual growth. And now we want to talk about how does the Enneagram affect us in our everyday work, right? With our leaders, with our coworkers and peers, people who are direct reports. Um, and so we would love for you to continue tuning in, subscribe to the podcast for more valuable content. We've got a lot more really great stuff on the way. That's right. That's right. And remember, if you're interested in learning more about the Enneagram, visit our website at www.yourenneagramcoach.com. And if you're ready to take it a step further with a personalized Enneagram coach, perhaps to come in and work with your team and your mm -hmm. leadership, check out our incredible certified coaches at myenneagramcoach.com. Go to myenneagramcoach.com and book a coach to come work with your team. That's your action step coming out of this, out of this episode. And for those of you who want to bless others by becoming a certified Enneagram coach, check out our leading certification program at yourenneagramcoach.com. Our team is here to guide you each step of the way, and we would love for you to join us in blessing others with accelerated transformation. Brian, you want to close us out? Absolutely. So next time, Adam, I know Adam and I will be talking again about Enneagram in the workplace. It's going to be another practical, insightful episode, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. It shows up automatically in your podcast app. And remember, the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It is the gospel that transforms us. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.